A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Josh Brown, are games finally coming back? I don't know, man. Like, yes and no. <laughs> I've played a lot of games over the long weekend that yes. we've had, but are they coming back? Most games need to be getting delayed, Scott Tilford. I'm well, not sure. <laughs> we'll go, we're going to get into the um, various bits of news that are doing the rounds. There's a whole thing about the combined uh, showcase that's coming from Disney and Marvel, and we're going to talk about all the games, or some of the games that might be there, some of the stuff that has been pushed back, the likes of Marvel's Midnight Suns. Um, I mentioned games returning, though, because it is three hours and 49 minutes and counting until Roland Drome is here. That's and right. I'm gonna love that game. You are. I mean, Tony Hawk's with a shotgun. You've been away, and I imagine not played much while you were what away because I mean, you're in Amsterdam. What else are you gonna be doing? Uh, but now, like you said, games are back, and I know that if the PlayStation Five was set up downstairs, I imagine oh. you would have even played that game at lunch if you could. Oh, I tell you what, I've done, that's a that's a that's a beautiful fan it thing. Is. Fan thing. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the PS Five is set up downstairs, but I don't think I want to buy Roller Drome on a <laughs> work account and then have to buy it. Again game when I get home. Um, overall though, uh, we'll dive, I didn't even say what the show was. <laughs> it's the wind-up. I'm Scott Tilford. You're Josh Brown. Hello, Scott Tilford. Where we get through whatever's going on in the industry, news, talking points, whatever games we're playing, etc. Please be kind with us. We have had uh, <laughs> like four or five days off and it feels like a genuine lifetime. Oh I came God. in the office this morning and saw Scott Tilford and it felt like I've not seen you in a year. Like we've, we had we... another lockdown or something. <laughs> we had a whole thing where um, our parent company was like, you guys need four days off. Everyone who's under this banner um, of this embrace uh, future owners and whatever else. Words are hard, Josh Brown, when you've yeah. been in Amsterdam for four days. Um, but they were like, take some time off. So I was like, I'm going to go to Amsterdam and a beautiful city. Massive shout out to Amsterdam. It's absolutely stellar, possibly a utopia. Couldn't get enough of it. Um, but in terms of stuff that we've been playing, I've not been playing anything. You've been playing Lego Star Wars. Well, tragically, my friend, um, <clears throat> like you said, we had the long weekend and it was a heat wave in Britain, but I couldn't take advantage of that because no. unfortunately my girlfriend got COVID. So we were isolating over the weekend. So mm -hmm. I missed the whole thing and decided, you know what? If I'm going to have to stay in, I'm going to play all the games I can get my hands on. <laughs> and one of those was Lego Star Wars. Games. We thought if we're going to have to stay in, you know, I'm sick of watching movies, I'm sick of watching television. Mm. We've, we've done too much of that. Uh, let's get a game that we can both play mm -hmm. in Lego Star Wars was the one. Now, we have talked about Lego Star Wars before because I know that James Douse really wasn't a fan. He was so disappointed by it. And James Douse's disappointment is why he ended up on my uh, most disappointing games of the year so far list. Yes. Because that is kind of like an amalgamation of thoughts within the office. And mm -hmm. I thought James Douse was so disappointed. We'll, we'll throw that on there. Mm -hmm. And I've got to say, so far, a couple hours in, <laughs> I'm kind of agreeing with the man. Like, oh, I thought you were going to say he's completely wrong and no, I'm loving it. Sadly not. Like from a presentational standpoint, I think the game is impeccable. You mm -hmm. know, playing it on PlayStation 5, I forgot how good these games look and how 
good. They Some shiny bricks. Fail. Very shiny bricks. Very uh, detailed environments. Mm. However, just like the gameplay itself, even playing it, you know, with my partner, you mm. know, two player, that should be more fun. But the co-op in this game just kind of like breaks it. Like <laughs> literally breaks it. And that's the most disappointing thing. Like the game hard crashes so much, right. which is so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and on I PS5. Just, on PS5 as well. And I just can't feel like I can get in the flow of it. You mm-hmm. have to hit like three loading screens before you can even jump into a level. Yep. For me, a st- a, any Lego game should have a pick up and play it feel to it. And this is throwing up so many roadblocks at me. That just makes it kind of, I don't really want to go back to it because I know I'm going to have to sit through a lot of bugs and a lot of hard crashes where they shouldn't be there. That's weird that you have so much performance stuff. I didn't have performance issues with it, but I was quite bummed out by it. By, this is a weird thing because I loved going into this. I love that they were actually making more styles of game. Like if you play as Poe, you play as a shooter, you get like a Gears of War style cover shooter. Yeah. If you play as like a Jedi, then you get an Arkham style combat model. And I'm like, that's cool. That's kind of, I thought that's what this franchise needed. However, it's like a Playmobil version of that or like a super early learning version of that where it's not really that engaging like if you take those game mechanics but you don't have the pace the um, tactility of them or whatever it's just quite boring it's like playing yeah. a really boring version of all those um like frameworks that you already know and have played thousands of hours of already so like i weirdly bounced off it where i was just like oh this is so cool in theory and i'm loving on oh, and take cover and do this but it's like automatic headshots and like you know you're just automatically taking on a bunch of dudes and i was like i get this for a three-year-old obviously that's who it's made for yes but at the same time um the other games like you said had a pick up and play mentality where they were almost more like brawlers where you could sort of just drop in hammer a few buttons do some moves deflect a blaster ball whereas here they kind of try and walk the line and they do it it ends up quite boring that's it it's a uh, it's all very impressive on paper for the reasons you've mm. just mentioned i do like that they've tried to add in so much different gameplay variety in there mm-hmm. so many different scenarios however yeah for me it just doesn't quite cohere into something as engaging as something like lego marvel superheroes mm. which i played in like 2013 or 2014 <laughs> and i think that was more of a lego game of my style because in that game you have like the big open world that you can explore that's full of secrets and full of like puzzles and whatnot and Mm. characters to find and then you have the dedicated levels whereas this game from what i've played so far almost tries to split the difference Mm. you have the dedicated levels that still have some secrets in and then you have kind of like more open environments that you can explore and kind of scratch that semi-open world itch in that semi-open world itch is in two player especially man like it's just a nightmare to uh, navigate when you've got the split screen maybe I would enjoy that stuff more if I was playing solo you can no shade to my partner but right. you know it kind of is what it is <laughs> get frustrated I like that dynamic split screen thing but um, you can make it like lock to split screen the whole time or like I like the idea of we're sharing the same screen yeah. but then like, it's just weird sometimes it feels like you're out the radius and then all of a sudden there's a line a diagonal line that's moving with you to like split the feed well this is the thing right the split screen at least the version of split screen there may be more options that i'm playing here is literally just a straight line and that's good because the levels are so open mm. that you don't want to be teleporting back to your uh, co-op partner uh, over and over again so yes. it does mean in those open spaces you get to both split off and do separate side missions or do separate puzzles and secrets and stuff and that's kind of like again interesting on paper and it probably would be miles better if you were playing online mm. but as a split screen kind of co-op game yeah it kind of it's a uh, it's more obtuse than I think it needs to be. And I, I, I want to play more because, you know, I love Star Wars and I do, like I said, like the presentation, the missions and the writing is all solid. Mm-hmm. And I want to get to the Phantom Menace because I started at uh, A New Hope. I was going to ask, where did you start? A New Hope. I right. just, I, would, I went like, we'll do it uh, movie releases ah. rather than chronological because I kind of want to build up to uh, 
Phantom Menace especially, because mm. I think for as, you know, you know, not good as Phantom Menace might be as a movie, it always makes for great games. Yeah, man. Like Jedi Power Battles, the Phantom Menace game, uh, all the Lego Star Wars titles, mm-hmm. they're all good, you know? Instead of Jedi Starfighter, massive shout out. I think, yes. the, yeah, that uh, prequel trilogy has always been stellar in video game form. I have a whole thing about how I think Star Wars is better played than watched anyway. Yeah. Um, not necessarily for the original trilogy, but when I jumped into this, I went to the new movies, the new tri- the sequel trilogy, whatever nice. the hell they're calling it, because they never got games. So I was just like, I know The Force Awakens did, yeah. um, but there's no such thing as like Lego Last Jedi. There's, you know, Lego Rise of Skywalker. So like, um, I was like, I want to see what these levels feel like and see if I have more of a connection to it when I'm playing it than I did in the movies. Not really. Right. Um, but it, that's more, again, like reliant on um, the mechanics that we just described being quite boring, like ultimately. Um, even though it's cool seeing like Lego old Luke or whatever um, throwing the lightsaber away and stuff. But, um, yeah. I do think the Jedi gameplay is compelling. You know, like, yeah. the lightsaber combat is fun. The force powers is cool. You know, picking up an explosive barrel and launching that <laughs> it feels way more fun than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. But it's so good that it makes me not want to play as, like, Han Solo. It, right. I certainly don't want to play as C-3PO. Get that dweeb out <laughs> No one ever face. wanted to play as him, though. No, yeah. no, no. Or even R2, you know? And that's like kind of sacrilege. I like R2, but he's... He, he just kind of headbutts things in this game, and that's that's fun to watch once, but not fun to play. I'm yeah. rambling now. I'm being nitpicky, but you know what I mean. It's I think after you've played a Lego Star Wars game, considering we grew, it's what twenty years of them at this point. Yeah, like man. it's a long time, and like they had a hell of a template that a lot of different um, people tried to follow, um, and then a lot of different genres got applied or different IP got applied to that template. So for them to overhaul it and the reception to be like. Yeah, it's all right. Like, you didn't really see much response to it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know whether that's where Star Wars is in IP. I don't know if that's where um, Lego Star Wars is as well, because we've had so many repackaged versions of this. Um, I don't, like, I have a hunch that people didn't really know what this was, where it feels like every other Lego Star Wars game re-released again. as Because right. we already had that. We got, like, yeah. the whole, um, I think it's called the Skywalker Saga. I think, it, I forget what the initial one was called. This right, one's this the Skywalker one's the Saga. Skywalker saga yeah. But the other one was the Skywalker Saga too. It's just that we didn't <laughs> call it that. Um, but that was, like, six games in one. And now this is the same. Well, it's not even the same six games. No. The same six stories plus three more um, with new mechanics and stuff. I feel like uh, somewhere in there, the, there was a marketing spin that wasn't really done, uh, didn't really do it justice. Um, the other thing that you've been playing, uh, or one of the other things that you've been playing is As Dusk Falls, which yes. is the sort of uh, narrative adventure conversation driven uh, mystery game. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Well, I, I mentioned this on the last wind up when yes. I just started it a couple hours in and I wasn't sure, you know, I was enjoying it for the kind of like story, but I was like, like, is the story too pulpy? Mm. Is it too, I think I used the phrase, EastEnders-like, which is my new video <laughs> yeah, game genre now. Yeah, we said that, that that should be, like, there should be a soap opera game. Why is yeah. there not a Neighbours game or a <laughs> Coronation Street game? <laughs> yeah. But this, uh, the more I play it, man, the more, like, in love I am really? with it. I genuinely think it's really good. I know it's got a lot of middling reviews. Mm. Um, but if you can get, not get over the art style, but get with the That's art style. That's the biggest style, barrier for 100%. sure, yeah. And I do think, uh, even if you think you might not enjoy it, give it half an hour or something, and you kind of forget that you're just watching kind of, like, still photographs mm. a lot of the time because there's a lot of emotion behind it. In like, some of the twists and turns this story takes is so good. Mm-hmm. I'm loving the characters and the way that I am hating some of the characters just outright. <laughs> right. They're all like really, uh, they're well written. Like they have enough depth and complexity to them and their relationships that it's really fun to kind of, you know, watch them navigate the situation and potentially get in perilous life-threatening situations okay. and as a player try to get them out of that. Like it just keeps going and going and with every ratchet attention, I'm like, this is good. It's got a lot of dumb things in. I'm not saying <laughs> it's like a 
you know, a high prestige TV, like the marketing is calling it. Don't expect writing of that caliber, okay. but expect fun, entertaining writing. Expect um, good performances. And I think you'd have a good time with it, man. I, I would really love to see what you thought of it. <laughs> I've got it downloaded because it's on Game Pass. Because um, where we left you story-wise, not to do spoilers, but you were like, the, you have this whole family dynamic. You're, you're playing as the different family members. Um, and then it was like, there was a biker gang and they've just robbed a place. And then you all end up at the same motel. Yes. And it was like um, crossing over between the criminals and you guys and who's going to survive and who's going to find out different pieces of information about their various histories and stuff. Um, has more happened setting-wise, or is it still like one big location where it's more character-driven, but it's in one particular place? Um, or would that be a spoiler? That might be a spoiler, Ooh. because the game is split up uh, into different like kind of chapters, which mm. are kind of like the equivalent of seasons of TV, perhaps, if right. that makes sense. And each one kind of like ends on maybe like a cliffhanger, and then you'll pick up with the next episode. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, there is... Um, what I will say is, is that it's definitely not just a one-location thing, because you also get flashbacks as well. Mm. And there are a lot of flashbacks kind of like going into the histories of these characters and why they're in this situation and why they're behaving the way that they are okay. that are quite expansive. So yeah, it's like the scope of it is much bigger than just kind of like the standoff at this motel. Uh, and it, like it just like I said, it just keeps escalating in tension, and kind of the set pieces keep getting bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. And I'm all for that, man. Like some <laughs> of the like some of the near death experiences that these characters have had in my playthrough mm -hmm. have been so like nerve wracking to kind of right. play out because I really care for them, even the ones that I think are bastards. I like care <laughs> about them in, in this situation, and you don't necessarily want them to meet the fates that they could meet. And the way that it branches has been really fascinating. I've just man, like I I, I didn't expect to love it this much, but I'm, I'm every time. I play it. I'm, I just think this is this is great. It'll be on my top ten of the year, so right. easily. You is know? it better than the quarry? You know what? It is. Uh, see, the quarry is a personal favorite because yeah. it's horror in the way it plays with horror tropes is great. But like, kind of as a as a tight, engaging story, this one might be better. Ooh, like, it has interesting. more interesting consequences. Uh -huh. I feel it has more uh, complex characters. Um, and it's just kind of something that you don't necessarily see in this subgenre mm. of kind of narrative-driven games, like the idea of a heist gone wrong and you're, you know, navigating this hostage situation mm. in such a kind of tight, confined space. I think that is what differentiates it. Mm -hmm. And, like, I'm interested to see if you play it, for instance, who mm. you like, who you don't like, what decisions you make, who well, you save, who you don't, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I do, I really, I do want to check it out. I'm curious how long it is. I think you said it was, you're still going with it. So it's like, yeah. it's at least four, five, six hours. Oh, totally. Like it's six hours at minimum, I right. would say. Six to eight, I would say. Because I, everything in. I, mean, I want to dive into Cult of the Lamb. Like that was the one, the biggest thing that I missed across the weekend. And there's something else that's uh, I've been playing, which I can say I'm playing. I'm playing Saints Row. Right. And we'll have more to say in the in the coming weeks and everything. That game's out next week anyway. Um, so there's that stuff that we can dive in, uh, which we will do next week. Um, but yeah, like, I feel like there's like, in amongst that, I would like to squeeze in as dusk falls, but I'm just like, Cult of the Lamb feels like the next Stardew in yeah. terms of like how much you can just live on that thing. Um, the, the only thing pushing that away from me is the Switch performance. Apparently it plays like hell on the Switch. So I'm kind of waiting for a stable frame rate, but I want Cult of the Lamb in my life. Um, and then Saints Row and stuff. Um, the final thing um, to mention in terms of playing stuff is that you've closed, or you're closing the loop on the Dark Souls run. Now, you previously started with Dark Souls 2, I think. I did. Um, after earlier, Elden Ring. Yeah. After El Yes, after El that's what it was. Elden Ring started you off, and then you did Dark Souls 2, and then where, what order have you done them since then? You did a whole bunch of FromSoft stuff. I did, I did a bunch of FromSoft stuff. So I did Elden Ring, I did Dark Souls 2, like you said, and then I did Dark Souls 3, and yes. I thought that would have closed the loop, but then I still wanted more, so mm -hmm. I did Bloodborne, and I thought that would close the loop, and then I did Sekiro, and then I was like, right, I'm totally done now. Like, I don't need to play 
Dark Souls uh-huh. 1. I've played that so much. Demon Souls obviously played that when the PlayStation 5 came out. But then, like I said, I was in over the weekend, had nothing to do. And I just thought, what? <laughs> New games, who needs? <laughs> I thought, what better way to distract my mind yeah. than to jump into Demon Souls? And I thought Demon Souls on PlayStation 5 would take me through for the whole week. And then it got to uh, Friday when I was off, and I played 11 hours of it in a day. And yeah. I thought, well, I've nearly finished it now. And I woke up the next day and finished that off. And I thought, well, it kind of seems dumb to play every From Software game again, except Dark Souls. So I thought, why not play Dark Souls again? <laughs> and then I jumped back into Dark Souls. And you know what? I almost quit. I almost thought, I don't want to do this. Really? I was approaching it with the wrong mentality. Mm-hmm. I was a little bit annoyed at the fact that I, I was in on that Saturday night and, you know, I'd missed all of this stuff. And More I was kind fair. of like, I just kind of wanted to brute force through something just to take my mind off it. Mm-hmm. And that's not the way you should play any Dark Souls game, no, no. matter how well-equipped you may be. And I kept getting hammered by these poison rats, and I thought, I can't be bothered with this anymore. But then I woke up the next day with the itch, and I was like, (laughs) oh, no, I want to play more Dark Souls. So I went back to that, played it for like nine hours that day, played it for like another six hours yesterday, and now at the current point, I've got the Lord Vessel. I've just done the New Londo Ruins area, beat the Four Kings, and I've got like three main areas to go because I've done (laughs) Ash Lake and all of the other optional parts that I can do. And I I don't know if I'll ever play another game again. Uh, Well, is your game of the year 2022 list just going to be all of the From Software <laughs> games in whatever revised order you've now got with all this new experience. Well, because I don't think you'll let me do that, I'll definitely put them all on the honourable mentions list <laughs> somehow. <laughs> if you can have that, I can have Assassin's Creed Odyssey because that's the that's <laughs> yeah. both these things are such a testament to how little is going on and has been going on since Elden Ring for the most part, and um, that we've all been able to get lost in these massive games. Let me throw something your way because Curve over the ball weekend, me, baby. What I was going to get. I was going to get Lost Judgment. That's what I was oh, going to play. Oh, why did you get Lost Judgment? Oh, a mixture of things, man. Like, I'd, oh, oh. I'll tell you why. Because I'm, I'm, I've got no money at the moment. I'm right. pretty broke uh-huh. because at the weekend, I ended up buying a Leeds Festival weekend ticket. You did. I was supposed to be going just for the Friday, and then the opportunity arose to get the full weekend ticket, and mm. that was like a couple of hundred pounds. And I thought, well, I can't spend a couple of hundred pounds on these tickets and then also buy a game. So I, I mean, thought, Dark Souls it is. I mean, I can't. You you dangle such beautiful things in front of me, Josh Brown. In front of myself as well. I know, and I'm just oh, the the idea of you playing Lost Judgment, the conversations we could have had. You you should play one of the Yakuza games because they're all on PlayStation Plus now. Yes, um, I know. I don't know. People say you should start with Zero. I p- kind of want you to just start with Kiwami One. Well, I spoke to you off uh, camera last yes. week about wanting to play those Yakuza games. Yes, Yakuza, Yakuza games. And the reason I didn't was because they weren't on PlayStation Plus yet. And you were like, Josh, just play them on Game Pass. <laughs> yeah. And I was saying, but I want the trophies. You do, and it's because. There was a gap in them coming on PlayStation Plus that I ended up going back to Demon's Souls. Otherwise, mm. there's a there's a whole other, you know, speaking of it as Dusk Falls style branching pathways, yes. there's a whole other branching pathway of my life mm-hmm. where I've been playing Yakuza for the past week. <laughs> but unfortunately, the PlayStation Plus rollout was a week too late for me. It's true. Well, now that you've, you've done your From Software thing, you're closing the loop, you're wide open to try one of the Akaza games and get on board with the, the new taste sensation. But like you've said, Go on. I'm afraid I can't do that. Why? How? Because you're going to play Saints Row. Yeah, exactly. Because you, like you said, <laughs> games are starting again. So we've got Saints Row, we've got The Last of Us Part 1. Roll the drone, baby. Roll the drone. We've got new games now. So this was the window to play something old. And unfortunately, <sighs> I decided to close the loop. Some Well, okay. If, 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 this time next year, when, when things are flat again in the middle yeah. of the year, that's... Oh, 
2023 is never the, getting flat with the amount of games that are coming out. You're not that wrong. That, 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 is, that year is ludicrous it right is. now. It's ludicrously packed. Um, but yeah, so that's what we've been playing at the minute. Um, I'm going to dive back in uh, next week or whenever. Whenever I'm allowed to talk about things, uh, they'll be talked about. Um, but let's talk about some new stuff. Um, so there's a new Lord of the Rings game coming from Private Division. Apparently, in the way they tweeted this out, um, they apparently um, managed to get something licensed from um, the Tolkien Estate or whatever else. And they're working with Weta Workshop, um, which are the uh, special effects studio and the people who helped with the original Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, I said that really fast there. You did. They're the original studio that helped work with the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, but everything is just open on the table. The only other Lord of the Rings thing in the near vicinity is Lord of the Rings Gollum, which I'm sorry looks horrible. Nah, man, Gollum. Uh, Go on. Like I just said, there's so many good games coming out in 2023, <laughs> but Gollum, the Lord it's of the Rings Gollum, is going to be Game of the Year 2023. I, so I don't... can this new Lord of the Rings game compete? The answer is no. <laughs> the answer is hell no. Do you think that we're going to be returning to a time in gaming history where each individual character got their own story, like the Aragorn game? I thought you were five people played which I thought was fun but I didn't like the art style at all I was a big fan of the EA Lord of the Rings stuff instead I think this is what I think they will do I think it'll be based on the new Amazon show rather than uh, the books or any of the movies or anything like that Uh, because she doesn't excite me at all I think that actually started to look a little bit better man the the Lord of the Rings show yeah the last trailer did something for me oh nah that's that's when we were watching the Halo trailers and you were like no one is there right no one is there at all that's CG that doesn't look believable at all that's where I'm at with Lord of the Rings you contrast that with how Prey looks right Um, I know there's like some dodgy CG in Prey but whatever but those people look like they are living lives in that location it's true Um, Rings of Power just looks like soundstage the TV show like Nah, man. Oh, God, I'm in F that show territory. Well, tell me then, what? because yes. I've spoken far too much <laughs> on this podcast so far, That's what do true. you want to see out of this potential Lord of the Rings game? You know, like the entire mm. series is your canvas. You can go back in time. You can go for the movies. You can go for Rings of Power, mm-hmm. which is even further back in time. But, mm-hmm. you know, what do you want to see? Well, the thing is, like, if the thing is, like, I don't have any remote positivity towards that show. I don't like the way it's been handled. I think it looks terrible. I just, it just feels like it's just over made. It's like the, um, it's the, you throw an Amazon budget at something. So we need to make this work and we need to chase Game of Thrones. That's why it's called Rings of Power and let's do all this stuff. And I just don't buy it. I don't think it looks like it has a soul. Um, but it might be like the Star Wars thing where it's more fun to play. So I don't know what stories are in Rings of Power yet. I've not read um, the Summer Alien or the older stuff. Nor have I read any Lord of the Rings. But I don't <laughs> know, the, I know. I know the old stuff far less. Yeah. Um, so I'm not that sure what you do with that. I'm sure that um, book readers would be like, oh, there's a million stories that are yet to be told or whatever. I just love that world. I want it to feel like those movies did. And I know that Peter Jackson kind of has the monopoly on how Lord of the Rings feels. Um, because it's quite close to how the books feel, I'm reliably told. And so I think that um, that's one of the biggest issues with the new show is that it doesn't feel like the books did or it doesn't feel like the old movies did. Yeah. And I wonder if they can just make games that feel like those the old stuff. I wonder how much Lord of the Rings as an IP, like you said, is torn between um, what we knew and what we're going into and whether generationally, if there are people who, are, who don't even have that connection to the old games um, and can just go into the new stuff and be like, oh, this feels bigger and more glitzy and it's great. Yeah. Whereas that makes me run the other way. Like um, there was, And the thing is, like you read about the people who, um, you know, in the original, Lord of the Rings trilogy who literally made the chainmail and they lost their fingerprints because they used they like had to wind this stuff for so long and it's ludicrous 
But at the same time, it's not necessarily forgiving that stuff. Um, I'm sure they were happy enough doing it. But um, you can see it on the screen and like in a way that it, it imbued the IP at the time with such a soul and a heart and a charm. Yeah. There's a reason that my wedding was themed around Lord <laughs> of the Rings. And so um, I don't feel that in the Lord of the Rings IP anymore. And I, I'm curious what they do. And I hope it's not just a box ticky thing. Yeah. Um, I just want I just want anything that rekindles <laughs> the Lord of the Rings passion, really, because the show is not doing that for me. What do you think this means for the Middle-Earth Shadow of uh, series? Hmm. Because we've had, obviously, Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War, but we've not heard anything from that franchise for, like, five years now. And no. the studio, if I recall correctly, is making the Wonder Woman game, yep. so I imagine they're too busy. Like... Are we ever going to see a sequel to that, or have we moved on, and are we just going to see Gollum and whatever this is, <laughs> and other Middle-Earth games kind of take its place? I wonder what they do with that stuff, because like you said, uh, Monolith are making the Wonder Woman game, and I have to assume that the Lasso of Truth is their version of Kara Brimbor's hand on the face. Yes. Um, like the Nemesis system, where if people don't know, the Nemesis system in the Shadow Games was just you were recruiting NPCs, recruiting enemies to your side, making your army... Um, and you could view it all on like a main menu and, and assign different things um, and different like people to fight and that kind of stuff. And they blew that way out in Shadow of War. Like it was incredible in Shadow of War. It was just buried under all the microtransactions. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, But the amount of permutations that system could have were really, really cool. And that's what I assume that they're doing with Wonder Woman. Um, But I think that that Nemesis system is so intrinsically tied to the... Um, you know, Middle Earth, Shadow of, or uh, Shadow of War, or whatever. Yeah, I don't think you do one of them without Monolith, and I think because of how weirdly received War was, you kind of can't do it anymore. So I think, I think the Nemesis system will remind people how awesome that stuff is in Wonder Woman, and then they'll probably do maybe they'll do more of that stuff. 
Um, but I think that IP, that franchise, that little sliver of franchise, I think is dead. I mean, they broke the canon anyway, like in Shadow of War. Yeah. And they did all the stuff with the Sildur and they changed like how that stuff comes together. And it was, everyone was way too overpowered. And it's just, yeah, there's like, it's like Force Unleashed 2, where they were like, what if Starkiller killed everyone? And yeah. it's just like, that's, you've broken the canon now. So, yeah. They also gave us stupid, sexy Shelob as well. Um, <laughs> I forgot which, about stupid, sexy Shelob. I'm sure they want you to forget about it as well. <sighs> yeah, that whole direction of that game was like, what are you guys doing? Um, but that's that's kind of why I mentioned this. Oh, we had this down as a, as a news item, because as much as I can go, I'm not a big fan of how the Amazon show looks. I'm still going to check it out. I'll do at least the pilot. I hope it, it pulls through. And I like the idea of like a, a, a young Galadriel. I like the idea of the subject matter i just don't like the execution of it right. so i didn't like the witcher show um it just felt like a bunch of people in a field as opposed to a bunch of, like a, a bunch of people in cosplay in a field not actually there and um, which was the problem with the the, the hobbit movies had because they mm. um they shot them in a different frame rate and it was just it was lit wrong like it's yeah. just i've got a whole thing just watch prey it just needs to be like prey <laughs> and so like it just needs to be believable but yeah lord of the rings for me i it's down as a news item because i don't know where they go. Like, I feel like it was such a specific period in the early 2000s. And I know obviously the books predate that so much, but what do you, what, do you want anything from Lord of the Rings? Like, I wasn't actively thinking of, oh my God, can I get some more Lord of the Rings, please? It was more like an immaculate set of films totally. that was brilliant. I despised The Hobbit, so I was long gone anyway. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was a huge fan of the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, mm. like the Peter Jackson movies. Uh, I went to see The Hobbit, uh, Journey Begins, or whatever the first one was <laughs> called, like opening... Weekend, Same, yeah. and then I never watched the other two movies because I was like, I just don't want to. You've never seen the other ones? Never, never saw them. They're never horrendous. So this is it, man. I was like, <laughs> I saw the writing on the wall with the first one, and I've always wanted to go back and do them, but they're just too long, and I'm like, they're not what I really want out of Lord of yeah. the Rings, like you mentioned. They are to um, me, or to an entire generation, what the Star Wars prequels were to those people who were taking the original movies yeah. more seriously or whatever, but the Hobbit movies are abysmal. <laughs> well, this is it. This is why I've not gone back to yeah. it, surprisingly. But <laughs> with that said, I do think the Middle Earth kind of like franchise as a whole just have a lot of furtive ground, you know? Mm -hmm. Like people are obviously spending a lot of money on it and like the Amazon show costs a lot and while you might argue that that makes it overproduced, it's still interesting to see someone go all in on it. Mm -hmm. I think if that show fails, that will be kind of like me done. But, right. you know, for me, I love those first three movies so much mm -hmm. and, you know, yeah, The Hobbit might be in a misfire but there's still potential to do something. I think if you fail twice with the TV <laughs> show and The Hobbit, then it's kind of like, okay, let this rest for a little bit, mm -hmm. but if that's kind of like, you know, interesting and successful, and then these games are interesting and also successful, then I'm kind of in in the same way that I'm in with Star Wars, where it's like, I won't watch everything, but the stuff right. I will watch, I will be very invested in. Yeah, that's fair. I think for, you mentioned before, like what I, what kind of stuff do I want to see? And I, my mind immediately went to the third age, the, the game, yes. which was the turn-based one. Yeah. Um, and I discarded that for the to talk about stuff because I was like, I'm not going to do that again. Then You're not going to get a really deluxe, like produced turn-based Lord of the Rings game, maybe eventually. Um, but yeah, that's I like that. I know that every character in there was sort of just a cipher for Aragorn, Gimli, whatever. Um, but it hadn't it had enough of like a side story vibe where it's like while all the main stuff was going on, this was happening, and I I quite like that. Yeah. And um, the Enter the Matrix approach, and he sort of like intersected that way. Uh, maybe you pick some characters from the original, well, I guess from the the Lord of the Rings uh, the TV show, if that is what they're doing, and then flesh the, the, uh, those things out, or you do stuff around the outside of the Fellowship. Listen, this is because I want to see this sickness continue, <laughs> but I want to see a Middle Earth game that just rips off Dark Souls, my friend. Because I think you could do it. 
you've got like the combat there, you've got the setting, you've got set like, it in the mines of Moria, and, and you've got a dungeon. There you go, you've got yeah. the potential for interconnected levels. Like if they're gonna like do a Jedi Fallen Order where you kind of rip off Dark Souls mm-hmm. a little bit, but then also have like action adventure combat and areas on top of that. I would like to see that. My default brainstem cellular reaction is that I don't want more Souls combat and stuff, right? Uh, unless you do something really meaningful with it. Um, but as you described that, my mind, like I did visualize the mines of Moria and like you know battling your way through and you're up against all the goblins and everything. Exactly. Imagine yeah. like you battle all the way through, you get to the Balrog or whatever, and that's like your <laughs> flame lurker style boss. My only references is, <laughs> are Souls games at the moment, so I'm so sorry for this. It will end at one point, but I do think that could be genuinely cool. No, totally. And if there's one thing that is sure to work, like I mean, and you've already got like you've already got so many um like tangential relationship stuff in terms of um you know uh, George R R Martin being a huge fan of uh, Tolkien stuff and then helping out with Elden Ring and whatever. So it's like you've already got the the groundwork is kind of there for what in a, what a uh, Lord of the Rings Souls game would be. I'm not saying like this is one for one. I'm not saying like uh, like the Souls games ripped off Lord of the Rings or anything like that. No, but it's kind of like you know when you get a lot of games that are inspired by the movie Aliens. Yes, and then it's like. Or Indiana Jones to Uncharted, and it's like mm. you could do such a good one of those by mm. going back to a licensed IP like Aliens, like an Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. because the the framework is there. I think you could do a Lord of the Rings game mm-hmm. uh, in the style of Dark Souls because you've got the framework and it fits so well to the world that you have. Maybe it's too close. I tell you what I would, but what I would really want is actually like if they could nail it, like the whimsical side of Lord of the Rings, because we never do it anymore. We no. always do mature stuff, and it's more like. Um, like it's like muted color palettes and everything sucks and like whatever. If you did like a really cutesy, whimsical, I'm loving living in the Shire and I need to I just did the definitive Lord of the Rings story. But you pl- you'd have you wouldn't be able to. You could kind of play as Frodo, but I guess you'd have to get used to like the combat side of it. And then you do your Soulsian level where they're like descending into my in the Moria yeah. and they don't know if they're gonna survive. And you're fighting the cave troll and it's like really intense. But you it's juxtaposed against how beautiful that opening is. Kind of just like the the arc the movies go on, but playing yeah. it like being in the Shire, talking to people and whatever else like i don't know i wonder if the thing that i mean this is, i don't think this will be what this is um because like you said it makes more sense to tie into the rings of power stuff and they're clearly aiming to make that the next 20 years of lord of the rings yeah um so yeah but i just think that like the juxtaposition is why like the hobbits fight anyway so i'm like oh like frodo goes out and does his thing and maybe you need to nail that rather than like um dungeon crawler with a lord of the rings skin i think that's why I'm genuinely quite excited for potential new Lord mm. of the Rings games because, like you said there, you know, this world is so malleable. You can do something yeah. dark and gritty like the Middle-Earth Shadow of games, or mm. you could do something, like you said, lighter, more kind of, you know, uh, children's fantasy like The mm. Hobbit. Uh, with with a video game, you could do something like uh, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt where you've got a yes. proper RPG set in this world and you're just somebody like going around the different locations, the different mm. cities and whatnot and make it like a proper like RPG, essentially. Do you know what game nailed this whole thing we're describing? I remember thinking this as I played through it. Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons. Ah, Brothers yes. is the perfect Tolkien game, and it's like it just is. Like for me, it is. Like you've got the two. Like it's, it's the whole monomyth thing. You've got the whole thing of like the two brothers. They need to try and get the antidote for their father who's dying, but they're from a humble little village, and they go on a grand adventure. And like you can smash cut through all that games. I'm not gonna do all the spoilers, but like you know, like they're just like two brothers trying to get like come out of the village, and all of a sudden they're flying with an owl, and they're doing all this stuff in the air, and they're going to these meeting giants, and they, that's a full on BFG yeah. old school fairy. Tale, Tolkien style story. 
Um, and yeah, I just, that's kind of what I would want if you nail both sides of it. Like I really cared about those brothers going on that journey because I was with them at the start um, and something like that. Um, next news item down though is the Disney and Marvel live stream, which is happening because um, they've got D23. There's a, I think that's every year they do the think so, yes. Disney Expo thing mm -hmm. um, between September 9th and the 11th and the Disney and Marvel stream is apparently on the 9th um, where they're showing off a whole bunch of stuff in regards to the new, uh, future Marvel games that are coming. Um, so one thing that's rumored is a Fantastic Four game uh, written by Amy Hennig, no less. Um, this is from Skydance. Uh, it's described as a Marvel ensemble game. And like I said, the rumored part of it is the Fantastic Four part. Um, but the game is written by Amy Hennig, um, which knocked my head off because um, her name is very much attached to Forspoken. Like all that marketing stuff is rolling out for the rest of this year. Um, that game's a whole other thing. Um, but yeah, this other game though, um, where she sort of settled, like we were talking before recording that assumedly um, Hennig and Gary Witter um, and Todd Stashwick and the people that helped out on Forspoken was more like a contract job. Mm. Um, whereas um, I remember seeing the reports that Skydance is where Amy Hennig is. Like, that's where she's, like, settled and that she's, like, put more... Um, that is, like, her homegrown game kind of thing. Um, but still, um, this Fantastic Four game is described as a narrative-driven blockbuster action adventure about humanity, complexity, and humor. Dude, man, It's like, uncharted. Carry on. I, well, this is the thing, right? I've, I've, I've lived so many lives at this <laughs> point, and I've seen so many press releases about a new Amy Hennig game that is so a narrative-driven action-adventure game, yeah. and I just want one to finally, like, <laughs> happen, because it sucks that, you know, obviously, she was originally doing Uncharted 4, that ended up being Bruce Straley and Neil Druckmann, mm -hmm. and she went on to make Star Wars, right? tag game then that was cancelled by EA yep. and just all of these kind of things have been happening so hopefully like this is the thing that sticks and you know to me a kind of Marvel ensemble superhero game one that's narrative driven is kind mm. of like all that Disney is green laying at the moment outside Kinda. of Spider-Man you know we had the Avengers uh, we had Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. uh, we've got Ultimate Alliance 3 <laughs> Ultimate Alliance 3 even another game that I'm blanking on right now Midnight Suns you yes. know that's like an ensemble of characters obviously it's not the same type of gameplay mm. as what this will, will be but it's we like got things focusing. like Wolverine that's but true, that's true. And more few and far between, though. There's way more exposure on the group stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like Insomniac are doing the kind of solo uh, characters. <laughs> and apparently, yeah, with the rumored Black Panther game and whatnot. Mm. But yeah, I mean, Fantastic Four, that would make sense, considering the movie now has a, a new date mm -hmm. to um, kick off Marvel's Phase 6. And obviously, it might not be a direct tie-in, but if you get the, the game outside near the uh, movie, mm -hmm. that's a good little bit of cross-promotion there. I have I, a question. Go on. Do you care about the Fantastic Four? Well, the Fantastic <clears throat> Four movie tie-in game an entity. on the PlayStation 2. Yes. I used to go to church when I was little. My mum <laughs> would make me go to church. And Take I, me to church. And I, like, pretended to be ill and right. woke up at 6 a.m. to play that game. And okay. I don't regret it. It was like Marvel Ultimate Life. <laughs> it, was, it was great. It was awesome. I don't really care about the Fantastic Four as a group, but I think they can be done well. And I would hope that they could be done well in video game form, especially mm. because their powers are so different. And hopefully, if you can swap between the different characters, which, which you couldn't do in Guardians of the Galaxy for some reason, it'll make for <laughs> uh, interesting gameplay at the very least. I do assume that a Fantastic Four game is just uh, a bigger version of when you pick them all in Ultimate Alliance. Yes. Like, you can, you can already do a Fantastic Fantastic Four game. It's, it plays very well, like in all the in all three of those Ultimate Alliance games. Um, yeah, I don't care about the Fantastic Four. I do care about Amy Hennig. Like, if people don't know about her, obviously, yeah, massive um, contributor, writer of the Uncharted games, um, Legacy of Kane. If you love the Legacy of Kane writing, that was her. Um, so I, I want. That's what I would want to see from her, though. A new IP. I know I'm always hopping on about new IPs. Yeah. Um, but a new Amy Hennig IP from the ground up, not tied to an Uncharted sequel, a Star Wars sequel. Like, Forspoken should be that, but it's clear. 
it's like five writers on that project and it's clearly studioed to death looking at that trailer that was doing the rounds last week. Yeah. Um, th- that's not her writing that dialogue yeah. <laughs> at all. Do you think it's maybe indicative of where the industry is at right mm. now that Amy Hennig has been trying to get a game off the ground for so long and outside of Forspoken, her options have been kind of licensed games. Mm-hmm. There was Star Wars, now it's Marvel. Like, with this expo and with this kind of conference, we're going to be seeing like Disney essentially, you know, start properly staking their claim in the video game world. Yeah. We know there are big rumors about EA making two different Disney games as well. Mm-hmm. Like, is this going to be the reality for video game development almost as it is for movies where you've got an up-and-coming director and it's like, when are they going to make a Marvel movie? Because they're yeah. going to make one at some point. Is it the same way here where we've got new studios and we've got veteran writers coming in and it's like, which license are they going to work on? Is it going to be Lord of the Rings? Is it going to be Marvel? Is it going to be Star Wars? That's a Just, horrible reality. It kind of is, isn't it? Like, it's going to be good in the short term for me because I love all those franchises but if that's like a long term setup for success I that's think, kind of scary yeah I think it's at a certain level of scale like you I think you do the indie work and then that catches the eye of the um, the big teams the Marvel people the Star Wars people and they give uh, one of their movies to you like like an Eternals or whatever with Chloe Zhao or something and then you get the money and you can go off and do your own thing it's kind of like the Nolan model where yeah. it's like one for you one for me um, and maybe that's how it works I guess you get the money from the big projects the thing is right it, not to make this a movie podcast, mm. but that's that approach has swallowed up so many people as oh, well. Yeah. Like, you know, what's Mark Webb done since <laughs> the Amazing Spider-Man <laughs> movies? What has, um, is it Gareth Evans or Edwards who the made guy. Rogue One? Sorry, no, he's, he's called he's called Gareth or Garth something. It's, yeah, he it, did it, Monsters. Yeah. It was like an indie movie, and yes. then he did Star Wars Rogue One, and then had like Gareth s- Edwards. Gareth Edwards had like such a promising start and then kind of like disappeared. Like mm-hmm. all of these cool directors who were working on stuff and then kind of get stuck in the machine or then get forgotten about. Even Ryan Coogler, right? One of my yeah. favorite directors before Black Panther. I mean, I still love Black Panther, but you know, made Fruitvale Station, made Creed, mm. made these great movies and then went into Marvel. And while Black Panther was really, really good and I'm really looking forward to Wakanda forever, mm-hmm. he's not done anything else outside of I wonder of if they that. get like tied down by all the like the pre-production and post-production conversations. Like they come out of their big release. Okay, what we're going to lock down for next. We're doing like initial storyboarding. We're doing all the ideas. Okay, let's get this down. And those projects, they take months. They take years for those conversations to happen. Like it can take forever. Totally. And then they get stuck in another pre-production thing for the next movie and they're just in that cycle. Yeah. Um, I mentioned the, the Gareth Edwards, Gareth Evans split is funny because Gareth Evans is the raid guy. Who I, I wanted to like shout out because I love the raid movies. Dude, I've made that mistake so many times I know. in the lists and people have been like, <laughs> you got the wrong dude. And I'm like, ah, why do I keep making this mistake? It's because the raid is so good. It's, I know, right? <laughs> and the best surnames are so close. Yeah. Um, one shining example of um, dabbling a bit in the Hollywood system and then going off and carrying across the rep- reputation is um, Ryan Johnson and Knives Out. Yes. Like, Knives yeah. Out is one of my favorite films and I despise The Last Jedi. But um, he, not for the direction necessarily, but like, yeah, Knives Out is phenomenal and he's like, that's way more him. Um, and like, it feels like him. It feels like an auteur that came across and, and learned the lessons from dealing with a bigger budget and, totally. big, and bigger casts and everything. Oh, there's, there's definitely like, you know, examples and far between where them. it's worked. But you even look at like the Russo brothers, right? Yeah. They made, you know, the two Captain America movies and they made the two Avengers movies, all like great films, mm. all incredibly successful. Obviously, Endgame, you know, the second highest grossing movie ever made. Mm-hmm. And then they've kind of like used that success to make incredibly big budgeted movies like The Gray Man recently. Cherry as well. Cherry as yeah. well, but like who's who, who went to see Cherry, you know? Honestly, dude, like The the Gray Man is, I've said abysmal <laughs> twice in this podcast, The Gray Man is horrible. Right. Horrible, <laughs> like horrible. Like if, if, an, if an algorithm made a movie, yeah. like, um, like, oh, this is what the kids like, and you sort of dial it in, okay, action, you move the slider up. 
terrible. Just what are you guys doing? Like, I don't know. Like, I, you can tell how much um, the Avengers stuff and their work in the MCU um, was just as much the Russo brothers as it was um, as a Steve McFeely or Chris Mc, um, Christopher Marcus, Marcus and, and Stephen McFeely, yeah, the writers. I, around, um, yeah. I think that's right. But um, you can tell that they were a squad. If you just take the Russos away, you get really flare direction and nothing else. Like, yeah. it just that, yeah, that Grey Man is terrible. <laughs> oh my god! I almost watched it at the weekend and then watched El Camino, a Breaking Bad story oh, instead. Beautiful. Oh, you're jumping around the timeline. I'm going to finish Better Call Saul, do all of Breaking Bad, and then do El Camino. Well, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. well, no spoilers, but uh, El Camino is actually set before <laughs> Better Call Saul's flash forwards. I, I suppose it is. It is. Yeah, I suppose it is. I'm going to do. I'm going to fill in all the the Walter Whiteness Speaking and then up, get to Jesse's story. Happy Better Call Saul finale day. Yes, Happy Better Call Saul finale day to everyone listening to this. The finale is out today, but dear God, social media keeps trying to ruin stuff. We've we've blocked so many terms until we can watch it. Um, but yeah, Better Call Saul um, is coming to an end <laughs> after eight years or whatever it's been. Yeah, man. It's been a long time. Um, final news item um, of the day. Uh, we'll do this one quite quickly. Um, you we'll, we'll roll these together. You mentioned before that there are a couple of EA single player games coming. Um, one was revealed by Jeff Grubb. That's an open-world Black Panther game um, coming from EA. Um, Grubb said there was another single-player game that he'd heard was potentially coming together, and then Tom Henderson, who's just sort of a known leaker, does lots of Battlefield stuff, lots of Call of Duty stuff, um, said that they've heard it's an Iron Man game. Said to treat it as a rumor for now. They'll do a full report if um, more stuff comes together. Um, but it is, uh, in theory, an Iron Man game and a Black Panther game. Where were these games when the MCU was a thing? It's a great point. Phase 4's ending and no one even realized, mate. That's a great point, and it's kind of, like I said, you know, kind of reflective of Disney slow start you yeah. know think of, the, think of the games they greenlit obviously Spider-Man was a huge success mm. and then they kind of had the Avengers which wasn't a huge success <laughs> then they had Guardians of the Galaxy which was inked at the same time as the Avengers deal mm-hmm. and then it only feels like now uh, all of this stuff is kind of coming to fruition mm-hmm. and that might be because game development is just long and takes a lot of time uh, to get developers working on games to get these deals licensed but yeah you're totally right like mm-hmm. an Iron Man game now well, I'll still look forward to it. Seems kind of lit. Who cares? Could have happened a decade ago. I do care. I must admit, but I do, I'm I'm so jaded. I'm I'm gonna I need to I need to rein in just how <laughs> much I don't care about like Marvel and Star Wars because I don't know how much I uh, how much I can how much the average person is with me or with you. Like, is the average person still excited about the potential of these various like the brands are bigger than ever and there's, there's more money on at, at hand kind of thing. Um, and like those bets are bigger, and like you know, if something pays off, then it's that's a much bigger deal, and we'll all be talking about thing. That for me hasn't happened since Endgame. We haven't all talked yeah. about some Wonder Vision. We did, but like that's about it. And so like I'm just so jaded on how much it feels like a brand hyperextending itself that I just don't care about someone ticking a box that says video game. Like you right. should have done that when everything was purposeful <laughs> instead of just going like, well, we've got all this money, so I guess we'll do this now. And it's like, yeah, I'm, sure. I'm kind of with you and kind of not, mm. which is classic. Standard, yeah, yeah, classic. Yeah, standard. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, I, I agree, you know, my, my Marvel enjoyment isn't where it was around mm. the time of Infinity War and Endgame, but it also hasn't plummeted. It's kind of the mm. same with Star Wars where there's so much content out there between the movies, between the TV shows, between, you know, games or the spin-off media that I kind of just, I get excited for the ones that I'm excited about. Right. And I don't need to consume anything, everything mm. anymore. Like for as good as Miss Marvel, for as good as Hawkeye might be, it's kind of, that's not what I want to spend my time doing, mm-hmm. but I will jump into WandaVision. I right, will right. jump into Shang-Chi, you know what I mean? Like yeah, I can pick yeah. and choose more than I used to where, yeah, everything was an event and there was definitely a lot of merit to that. Mm. But also I kind of like the ability to just kind of like take a step back and then only focus on the things that I am interested in, which would be a Black Panther game, which yeah. would be an Iron Man game, which would be a Fantastic Four 
made by any enemy. Which is kind of like the video game or movie equivalent of how comics are, like as yeah. a medium. It's like you pick out the issues you want, you follow a couple of arcs, and then they wrap and you do something else. And like sometimes there's long form stuff, but they get rebooted after a few years anyway. Um, so it, it kind of works in that regard. I just, I don't know. I guess I'll, I'll see how things come together. The uh, It just feels like they missed their window. It's just sort of like, it was the same energy around the Black Widow movie where it's like, I would have loved this if it was like five years ago. Right. But like, there's something about focusing on events that have already wrapped that I just, okay, sure. Right. Like, it just feels like whatever. Um, but yeah, there's definitely, I like you talk about um, playing the Fantastic Four game that you liked when you were younger. I like the first Iron Man game on Xbox um, <laughs> because it has a really cool mechanic. I didn't play it for that long, but I like the mechanic of you're redirecting power across the suit, um, whether like you do the chest blaster or the repulsors on your hands and stuff. Yeah. And I like that that takes away from like, if you want to go full ball flight, you have to like redirect the systems. And I was like, make that a game mechanic, like do it, like, do it properly. Um, where it's like, you know, you save up, maybe in the harder difficulties, you're like rationing out your energy so you can blow the S out of some dude's chest because yeah. there's one enemy left or something. I just think there's something to do um, at the, the combat level that would be like core to how Iron Man functions that would really differentiate that game and not just give us another Souls game or whatever Yeah, it make is. it a Souls-like is what I'm hearing <laughs> from what you just said there. No, no, no. You uh, need to play the Surge, my friend. <laughs> that is an Iron while, Man wrote Souls-like. While we're talking about recommendable Iron Man yes. games, I will, before we uh, sign off, recommend Iron Man VR, which oh, yeah. I played a few years ago in lockdown. Mm-hmm. And that's like not the best VR game you'll ever play, but man, is, that Iron like, Man game. is it a power trip? Is it, is yeah. it great to, you know, free fly around using the thrusters on your hands. Like, talk about, like, being Iron Man, you know? This game will make you feel like Spider-Man <laughs> or whatever. Like, that is a... Like, if you can get that, like, you know, if you have a VR system and you haven't played it, mm-hmm. play it because it's fun. Also, um, speaking of uh, superhero VR stuff, shout out to the... It's the second Spider-Man movie, Far From Home's VR experience. Yeah. Where they just give you a chunk of New York and you can just swing around. Like, brilliant. Why is that not everywhere? What you're saying is, what? all of these games, Iron Man, Black Panther... Fantastic Four should yep. all be compatible with PSVR 2. Maybe superhero stuff is best in VR. That could be true. Maybe the only exceptions are Spider-Man and Batman. I'll raise you. Maybe everything is best in VR. <laughs> I will not take that. <laughs> I will, I'll push that back down. Um, but uh, we should mention that for the main podcast, Mr. James Douse is off this week. So me and you are going to do a, a breakdown of the best superhero games. Uh, I think of the last 10 years. I've, we haven't got our parameters yet. Um, but we've done rankings before. We've done best from software games, best PlayStation games of the last 10 years, yeah. um, personal rankings, and then we'll reveal them and see if we overlap. So we thought we'd do the best superhero games, kind of in honor of all the Marvel, Disney stuff that's kicking off at the minute, um, and see how we land. But we haven't got parameters yet. No. But we'll do that for the main podcast, because Lord knows there's not much else going on. I think that's going to be fun, because <laughs> uh, you know, for as much as I really enjoyed the From Software ranking and the PlayStation exclusive ranking, yes. we, would have, we would have a lot of overlap there. Mm. I think it's going to be the biggest disparity in our picks that we may ever have doing the rankings this year one. Well, I know so you're going to put from. you're going to put Ultimate Spider-Man above Spider-Man Two. Oh, which I might, is, Spider-Man Two might not even make it on. It there. might not even make it on the list. So we're going to have to see. But yeah. um, but I, I'm already thinking of Marvel uh, the first Lego game where I'm free roaming as Venom in a city. <laughs> that was pretty good. I mean, I might even I, I like that a lot. But yes, a massive thank you to everybody for listening to uh, the windup. I forget how I go out of these things. It's been four days it since has. we last worked. But I'm Scott Tilford. You're Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. That's the one. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you. And we'll catch you next week. Bye bye. Goodbye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.